This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. This past spring, just about a little short of a year ago, we had an engaged debate about individual state laws regarding transgender high school athletes. And there's a lot of talk about it with a lot of, uh, a lot of feedback about uh, why it is that it's so confusing that the issue involving transgender high school athletes, why this still has breaks down according to state law. And the issue has not been resolved in any way, shape, or form. And I want to revisit that today. And I also want to use this whole discussion of transgender athletes as sort of a stepping stone or a platform or, or a metaphor, if you will, for why we really need to have a, a federal commissioner of youth sports. And this is just one particular uh, you know, example. And there are so many cases where we could really use some real federal uh, clarification, guidance, and so on and so forth, uh, as opposed to having the individual states or school districts having their own policies. Now, talking about transgenders, let me begin by saying up front that I have no idea how many high school athletes are changing their genders. I just don't know. I, I've looked uh, carefully to find research. It's, it's difficult to determine the actual number or percentage. But common sense tells me that it's probably not very many uh, compared to the, the general population of, of athletes. But clearly there are a certain number, and they have every right to pursue their dreams in sports, as we all do. Yet when it comes to competing in high school sports or even college or at the Olympic level, when it comes to one's eligibility, well, the fact is a lot depends if you're a high school athlete and what state in which you compete in. For example, in uh, just a couple of weeks ago in Tennessee, a law was proposed that says that transgender kids have to compete according to the gender they were born with. So if you were born uh, a boy, even if you transition to being a girl sometime later on in high school, well, you still have to compete in high school sports as a boy because that's how you were born. This has become something of a, of a curious national trend. In addition to Tennessee, uh, New Hampshire, Missouri, uh, Georgia, Washington State, and other states, uh, there have been drafting measures aimed at preventing athletes from competing in categories different than their biological sex. Likewise, if you were, you were born a girl, then you have to compete against other girls in high school, even if you were now uh, a boy. If you position yourself as a boy now in high school, if you were born a girl, you have to still compete against girls in high school. So it's, it's yeah, obviously we know we have 50 states. 
it really all depends on state law and about a third of the states you can compete according to the gender you currently identify with it's very confusing for example again last spring in the state of Connecticut and we talked about this you can choose to compete as a girl in high school even if you were born as a boy and uh, for example in New Jersey from what I can tell those same rules apply but in New York State in New York State it's a lot murkier but in New York City it's more along the lines with Connecticut and New Jersey and and you know in New York State there's a lot of red tape you have to go through a whole process of dealing with your school board make an application and so on and so forth so I want to discuss this particular issue with you today uh, but again this to me is sort of a a, a metaphor if you will, for the kind of issues where, where a commissioner of youth sports could really step in and provide some, some national or federal oversight that would eliminate uh, these kind of state-by-state -state, uh, divisions. And, of course, our number here this morning is one 337 6666 You know, let me get into more of the details on this. In the state of Connecticut a year ago, uh, and this is how this all thing sort of got a lot of headway, a lot of, a lot of news, is that there were two high school sprinters who were biological boys for most of their life. They were born as boys, but they identify these days as girls in high school, and they were permitted in Connecticut to compete in a, in a key track meet. And in this meet, which was a, an important one, uh, the rules were very clear. The top six finishers would qualify for the regional New England uh, uh, meet, where lots of college coaches would be attending. And as it developed, the two boys, and I use that quote-unquote because they started out as boys and transitioned to girls, well, the two boys were talented, and, and they finished first and second in the races, uh, at, with uh, the winner breaking the Connecticut uh, indoor state record for girls in the 55-meter sprint. Again, I hope you're following all this, but basically these were two boys who were, who were talented runners as boys, but when they transitioned to girls, they were, they were able to make a decision on their own. Do I want to be able to compete uh, as girls or do I stay with the boys? And in the state of Connecticut, they were allowed to compete in the gender they currently are uh, involved in. Now, remember, in this particular track meet, only the top six will be allowed to advance to the regionals. Uh, well, as you might imagine, with the two boys slash girls competing and winning, you know, that meant two other girls uh, were not allowed to advance to the New England regionals. And, you know, one girl in particular was, uh, was very angry and uh, filed a complaint that she was denied uh, a chance to compete in the regionals because the two boys have been allowed to compete, and obviously they, they, they finished higher than she did. Um, if, if the boys had not been allowed to compete, then she would have finished uh, at least uh, in sixth place, and she would have advanced. So you can see there, there, this does have a situation here where it trickles down um, to, to individual situations, and if it's, you know, if it's your kid who's being affected by this, you're going to be upset. Now, this happened in Connecticut. Again, if this track meet had taken place in Tennessee, then no, those, those boys slash girls, they would not have been allowed to compete in, in, in the, with the girls at this track meet. They would have been under state law. They would have had to compete uh, against the boys, even though they now basically have transitioned to girls. It's very, very complicated. And again, it's the kind of thing where honestly, 
it, we're looking for some real guidance on this. And again, it'd be nice to have somebody step in and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Now, again, we get some of that at the, at the NCAA level, since that's, that's the National Collegiate Athletic Association. But at the high school level, it is very, very complicated. And it really depends on where you grow up and in what state you, know, you go to school in. one 337 6666 I want to talk about this this morning, and I want to get your thoughts about this. And we have a lot more to talk about uh, other examples uh, from other states. And, again, find out more about what can we do to start cutting through all the red tape and the confusion, not just with transgender athletes, but all this when it comes to, to youth and high school and travel team sports. Okay, let me take a time out. Uh, Mark Renee is here this morning. He has your update. When I return, we'll continue with our conversation, and, of course, I'll start taking your calls as well. Stay with me. Welcome back to the Sports Edge, everyone. I'm Rick Wolf. We're talking this morning about a very complicated issue, uh, which we've talked about a year ago, and we're still looking for a clarification today. Having to talk about transgender athletes in high school. Uh, you know, it, it's, again, as I said at the outset, I'm not sure the actual numbers of kids who are doing this kind of transitioning, but there are enough now in the media and to, who are making uh, headlines as to doing this we really need to get some clarification, uh, not just on a state-by-state state level, but ideally on a federal level. You know, we're not talking about Title IX here. We're not talking about, uh, you know, we've heard, of course, over the years that girls uh, will sometimes play on boys' ice hockey teams in high school or in baseball or even play in the, on a high school football team, but they still remain as girls. Uh, this is different. Uh, we're talking about but kids who transition to different genders. And, and I started talking about, you know, these two boys, these bo- kids who were born as boys, who were sprinters, they transitioned to girls in Connecticut, and they were allowed to compete in a very important uh, track meet. Uh, and they did uh, place very highly. They, in fact, came in first and second in a sprint, which allowed them to advance to a New England regional meet. Uh, and obviously, by doing that, they dislodged other girls, uh, biological girls, who, who obviously felt that, that somehow having these boys slash girls come in to compete cost them a, a, a chance to, 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 uh, to advance. Let me take this from the other side. There's a, there's a high school wrestler in Texas named uh, Mac Beggs uh, who was born a girl. And, and uh, he'd been transitioning to a boy over the last few years. He also happens to be a top-notch wrestler. Uh, in fact, the last two years, he'd been the Texas state champion in the girls' wrestling division. But, but, but Mac says he would much prefer to wrestle against boys. But again, in Texas, in Texas, as in many other states... You compete interscholastically according to your gender at birth. And thus, since Mac Beggs uh, was born a boy, uh, he, uh, I'm sorry, he was born as a girl, he can only compete as a female. And so he's a, he's a guy now, but he's competing against girls. You can see how bizarre and confusing this is, and that's what we're talking about. one 337 6666 Let's start our conversation this morning with uh, our friend Rob out in Lake Success. Rob, good morning. Oh, good fan. morning. Good morning, Rick. This is this is one of those tough ones to talk about because there's you know there's so many decisions and discussions which could go which way you want to go with. All right, I'm going to give you. I, you brought up Title Nine, and unfortunately, I have to say, you know, you said it's really different, and it is different. But in in another way, it's not different because that was I guess came up in 1972 with Nixon because there were some schools that girls 
they didn't have teams for certain girls that they could participate, like track or tennis or whatever. So they had to play with the boys. Mm-hmm. So in in that respect, that that was a really good situation, and and it gave an opportunity for fem- girls to participate where a school might not have had a sport. So in in some respects, it, it's it's an old problem. But to answer my my personal feeling on this, if someone's in a transition period and they're born a particular sex, okay, but they haven't completed the complete transition, then you kind of it's it's kind of not fair. You understand what I'm saying? Because sure. if if they're if they're born a you know if if they're born a female and they still haven't become the male side yet, they really shouldn't be participating with the males because biologically they are somewhat inferior. Because they don't have it, the proper amount of uh, like testosterone yet in them, so actually the boys are going to be most likely stronger than them anyway, or have that that advantage. But when you go to the flip side, if you're born a boy and you now want to become a female, you have that testosterone in you. Right. So when you go and start competing against the females, uh, you're going to have that that advantage in certain sports. Meaning, because you've already had that testosterone in you. I think, to answer the question, my feeling is every kid should have their chance to participate, okay? And this is one of those that, this is what's happening nowadays. There's been a lot of transition at very young ages. And I think once the transition is completed, when it's totally done, that's when I, I guess the person is considered the sex that they are now completed at. You understand what I'm well, saying? Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, Rob, and I think you're onto something. Uh, for example, the NCAA level, uh, yeah, they do talk about the hormone level, and the way it works is that if a kid wants to transition uh, during college, uh, they're going to have to basically, in effect, it turns out that they have to go through that hormone transition for about a year, which means that they're going to end up... Um, uh, not competing for at least a year, and obviously if there if there's surgery involved as well, but it's it's not as, for example, these states that say in effect, oh no no, uh, you can you have to compete uh, according to the sex in which you were born, that's a little too, from my perspective, a little too cut and dry because it's it's as you just pointed out, it's so complicated when it comes to well, when did it take place, when did the transition take place, are there other complications, and so on and so forth, and I think that's what. Where again, we could use some clarification, but even the NCAA rule is is complicated. Uh, I know. just want to add one thing, also, Rick, on this. These, these particular uh, individuals are born a certain way, meaning that this is this is not a decision that they that they're making. It comes from within, I guess. Okay, that's what that's well, what the uh, psychologists that, are saying. They, 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 if they are born the wrong sex, let's say they come out as a male and they really feel they're female, this is what they believe they are, and they yes. have to, you know, they have to, you know, they want to become human beings the right way that they were, they thought that they they should have been born. So you, you can't punish someone for being born whatever, how they come out, okay? It's really something that they know usually at birth that that's what sex they really want to be. Uh, and uh, there's a sprinter, in, a South African sprinter female who has, right. um, they've had some problems with, they, she's won Olympic medals. Because she has and, high and, levels and, of testosterone. Right, and, and they're not even really sure what they, she won't, she won't go for the test, you know, um, and there was a whole debate on that, I think in the 2016 Olympics, her name just uh, falls off my head right now, it's early in the morning, but this is, and that's at the Olympic level. And, but, and, but Rob, that's exactly what I, I talk about. Let me, let me get some other calls, but you make, 
as always, good points. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate the call. You know, that's what we're talking about. You know, a lot of these kids, when they're born, obviously, they don't really know, you know, they just feel that they're born into the wrong uh, sex, uh, the wrong gender. And, and, you know, this is not like they had a choice of this. They, they, they're trying to struggle with this. So we're sensitive to those kids' issues. We want, obviously, we want them to pursue sports and pursue their dreams. But it, it's, it, some of these, these laws that are coming forth now are just sort of saying, well, no, 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 I don't care what you are now, but you have to, uh, you have to compete at high school as according to whatever gender you were born. And the kid might say, but I would, I, I, that gender never really fit me. I'm, I know that I'm really supposed to be this sex, not that sex. It's very, very complicated. And as I said, we could use some clarification. Let's, uh, let's move on to, uh, let's go to, up to Connecticut. George is uh, standing by. George, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, good morning, Rick. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I listen to you every week. You do great. a great job. Thank you. And I actually played uh, sports in my day professionally years ago, and I still listen to you. What you do for youth sports is uh, unbelievable. Thank you. So tell me about your thoughts about this, George. Um, I guess just real quick, I do have a little skin in the game because my niece is one of the two that have filed a complaint. And I know I've read recently where some reporters are reporting it as a lawsuit. It is yes. not a lawsuit. It's just a complaint filed with the Department of Education. Um, as your previous caller said, the Title IX of, of 1972 was, was developed for fairness for girls and boys. Um, I know at times I'm not a big political guy. This is not a political thing. It's not a race thing. My niece is black, too. It's just all about fairness, and I'm just amazed that you know this is happening now or actually could get a lot worse and it is getting worse there are a couple girls now in hawaii that are volleyball players that have to go up against boys right so it's it's really amazing that in 2020 that this has happened and i think you and i rick i'm 57 years old we're somewhat in the same age group that i would never have thought that this would be happening today well, you know, this is something that uh, when I did the show last week about, uh, you know, what's going to happen in the next 10 years, the next decade. George, this is exactly front and center. Again, this would never have come up uh, a decade ago, uh, but it has now. And obviously, uh, as you said very eloquently, we want this just to be fair. And, and we, want, we want the kids who, uh, regardless of their gender um, or how they got to where they are, we want them to be able to compete in a fair and, and a level playing field. Um, but the, these, if it's on a state-by-state basis, and we just don't know exactly how these states are making their decisions, but to, to, to my way of thinking, to have a blanket statement saying, oh, no, 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 you have to uh, compete according to the way you were born, that's not really fair to these kids uh, who've gone through, obviously, a lot of uh, uh, emotional struggles to figure out how do I get to be the right gender in life. Um, but on the other side, you know, like in Connecticut, uh, if you have a situation where, where a kid says, I'm going to transition to being a girl uh, and I'm going to compete uh, against uh, other girls, natural born girls, that's going to be difficult because, as you said, your niece got dislodged on this. You know, she, she was a victim. Yeah, again, it's all about fairness. You know, like I said, she's involved in the complaint. Um, but she, um, I mean, you are who you are when I'm, you're born, I think. And if you talk to health experts, doctors, where, you know, once you go past puberty, there's really no change in. No matter, it really doesn't matter what hormones you would take. And, again, uh, the gender identity, because my niece has a twin brother. He plays football, basketball, and baseball. And, um, 
And, um, you know, I joke with them. If you can't beat certain towns, maybe you should just play with the girls. And, again, it's a total joke, but you can actually do that in Connecticut. You can just go there September 1st yes. and say, I'm a girl, yep. and then you play with the girls. Yep, that's right. That's all right. Well, anyhow, as I said, uh, George, obviously you're seeing all this and, and uh, you know, uh, up close and in person, and I thank you for your for your call this morning. Let's, um, let's move on. Thank let's you. go. Let's go on to uh, Roger over in Jackson, New Jersey. Hey, Roger, you're on the fan. Hi, good morning. And, and you know, a couple of points, but I first want to say I'm a youth recreational coach. I actually coach volunteer. I don't get paid for it. Yep. Um, and I do see that the kids get a lot out of sports. So I would say that most parents and most people want to be fair. But I, my, my first point is, one, who is making the decision? Is it more men, more women, or, or combination of both? Because it seems like women in this instance, are getting the short end of the stick again. Because in, when it's reversed, when a you know, man goes into a woman's, um, I'm sorry, woman goes into a man's sport, they're going to be on par, maybe better now and then, but most of the time on par. When it's the opposite, the men usually dominate, the boys usually dominate. Um, so that's my first part. Who is making the decisions, and, and are women now getting the short end of the stick again by men? Second, I don't really want the federal government involved. It's not in the Constitution. I understand maybe some guidelines, but when they get involved, now it becomes who's going to make a decision. Is it Donald Trump? Is it Obama? No, it should not be one point, one federal thing. Let the states manage it, but let them go with some guidelines from the Department of Health, Department of Education, because, again, there's going to be a lot of victims here. And think of those women who lost and lost scholarship opportunities. What about their rights? What about their mental psyche? No one is considering that. They're just saying, hey, someone decided to change. Let's be fair. You know what? The needs of the few don't outweigh the needs of the many. Thank you. Okay. Well, I hear you loud and clear in this, and I, I uh, thank you for your thoughts this morning. Um, the reason why I, I come back to the idea of having a commissioner of youth sports, and yeah, I, look, let's be clear about this. Uh, most of us are very wary, obviously, of, of taking this to a level where politicians uh, get involved and they're trying to you know, figure out, okay, what's politically expedient for their own careers. No, no. I would like to have somebody like, and we've had this for years, you know, the, the President's uh, Council on Physical Fitness. Uh, that could be a, a panel uh, of experts who have a background in, in youth sports and coaching uh, and, and, and basically, whether it's a pediatrics, whatever it might be, but have a real blue ribbon panel of experts who, who can go into this situation and say, okay, we're going to provide not just uh, expert advice. It may not have to be mandated, but it can certainly provide, here's what we think this should be or how we rule. And again, it, it, this, we're talking today about transgender athletes. That's just one small topic. Uh, because the, we know there aren't that many kids who are affected by this. But, as we've said in, in, in the last few years, uh, it sure would be nice to have some sort of panel of, uh, of experts in this field in which we could basically say, okay, give us your thoughts about, for example, what's the right age to specialize for a kid in a sport, whether it's a team sport uh, or an individual sport. What about burnout? How can that be prevented? Let's talk about uh, travel teams. Uh, shouldn't it be some some uh, court of appeal if my if I, my kid's on a travel team and uh, he or she isn't enjoying the experience uh, and there's a problem with the coach? Uh, what, what, what do we do in terms of trying to appeal our concerns 
concerns about travel team coaches or club coaches. What about the whole recruiting process? We know that at the high school and to the college, that's a real mess because there are no real regulations. It's just there's so much out there. All the topics we talk about in the show, uh, we're trying, in effect, to protect our kids. We're trying to do the best thing for our children who love playing sports as we did. I mean, there was an article just uh, the other day uh, in the Times um, about um, – and a lot of you had sent me this column to make sure I saw it, and of course I had, about uh, there's some grassroots support in Puerto Rico uh, to have that Commonwealth uh, enact some laws uh, to protect the athletic kids from, from overzealous parents and coaches who are pushing these kids in Puerto Rico. I mean, it's another example of saying this is the kind of grassroots example we want to have to say, look, Let's do this. Let's, let's take the next step. If we can really are serious about making sure our kids have a positive and enjoyable uh, experience playing sports, uh, it's up to us to, to set the right tone. And I do think, uh, as I said, a, a, a commissioner of youth sports, uh, a panel of experts could really provide some guidance. Uh, right now, there's nothing out there. Oh, there are a few, uh, you know, operations that sort of offer, say, here's the problem you know, in sports. Yeah, we know what the problems are. We want solutions. All right, let me, let me take a, a time out. Uh, I do want to talk about this issue, obviously, with the commissioner, as, all as well with the transgender athletes and Title IX, all this stuff. one 337 6666 Back with more after this. is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Well, if you're just joining us now, we're talking this morning about uh, the continuing debate uh, with transgender athletes competing in high school and how it really depends on what state uh, the, the, uh, the young person lives in. Uh, some states say... Uh, no, you can only compete according to the gender with which you were born with, uh, even if you've transitioned to the opposite gender. Other states say, uh, no, 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 you can compete any way you want. Uh, you may have been born a girl, but if you transition to being a boy, you can now compete as a boy. That seems to be, for example, locally in Connecticut, that, that is the, the law. In New Jersey, it seems to be in the same direction. And in New York State, it gets a little more clotted. In New York State, uh, you got to go through the whole process of, of uh, basically petitioning your local school and getting uh, medical forms and so on and so forth if you want to compete in your current gender. In New York City, it's more aligned with, I believe, with Connecticut and New Jersey. But again, there are states all over the country that are go. Uh, they're all. It just. Uh, it depends where you live, and it's complicated. And it's. Um, uh, again, I'm using this as sort of a platform to say this is why we need some sort of uh, commissioner of youth sports or a panel uh, of experts to say let's. These people could provide some real direction and advice and guidance for all the the parents out there who are looking to do their best thing for their children. Look, we all know 
we all know, uh, those of us of a certain age, that uh, being a sports parent today, being a coach today, has never been more complicated. And quite frankly, it's only getting more and more complex, and we'd like to get some guidance. Otherwise, we're just sort of left to wander uh, in the wilderness on our own, and it's difficult. one 337 And before I forget, uh, now's the right time uh, of the year if you want to contact me to to set up a, a sports parenting presentation uh, in your school district or in your, your community or your sports league or team. Uh, you know, I talk about real solutions that you can implement uh, within your particular situation. All you have to do is go to askcoachwolf.com to contact me and to get more information. Uh, oh, by the way, don't forget uh, to go to, uh, to YouTube and go to the Ask Coach Wolf channel, and you can get a sense of what I'm talking about in terms of short little tidbits of advice and things that, that sports parents need to know. Okay, let's go back to our calls. Let's go over to, uh, to Richard in Brooklyn. Richard, good morning. You're next up on the fan. Hi, Rick. Thank you for taking my call. Um, it's funny. This, to me, this is a situation where it might almost be appropriate for a double standard to be in place. For a woman to be able to compete, to want to compete against men, I, I don't have an issue with that because they don't have a problem. Men tend to have more muscle mass. But when you have a man who's transitioning to compete against women, they have a they have a significant advantage in terms of muscle mass. You remember right. years ago the, the the tennis player Renee Richards. Yep. Uh, you know, and I, to me, I just think you know I'm not a person who believes in double standards, but I, I'm not sure it's fair to let uh, men transitioning to the other to, to female gender compete against compete against women. They just have an advantage. I, I played Division three college basketball. If I were competing against women, I probably could have played Division One. I, I, I couldn't have played Division One as a man. Well, this is this is what we're talking about. I mean, and uh, in fact, you know, uh, and 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 Richard, thank you for your call this morning. Exactly right. I mean, these are the these are the real real life uh, complications we're talking about, uh, and particularly when 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 a male transitions to a girl, um, as we're talking about with these two sprinters up in Connecticut. I mean, clearly they had already grown uh, to a point where they were physically larger than their their female. Uh, compatriots, and they're now going to dominate uh, at, at the girls' high school level. I mean, it, that's this is where we need. Okay, how do we how do we do this to be fair to the boys who transition, and how do we fair to the girls who have to compete against them? Um, you know, it's just it's just a very complicated situation, and it does have to do with the physical differences. We all know that girls and boys start out uh, competing at the very young levels of youth sports, whether it's soccer or baseball, whatever it might be or basketball it doesn't make any difference but once they get to be in their their uh, adolescent years and go through puberty it makes a big difference obviously boys for the most part are physically bigger and stronger than the girls so if they transition in their mid to late teens those those differences already exist let's uh, let's go to our friend uh, jack smithland the hall of fame coach over in Fairlawn. jack how you doing this morning I'm doing very good, Rick, and once again, you know, I listened to your show back when you talked about this about a year ago. Yes. And um, the, the topic is, is very controversial, and the other night, my son Alex and I got into a heated argument, not argument, we were basically on the same page, but we got so intense with this topic that uh, Sue actually had to get in between us, but it was, you know, th there's so many different things. I'm going to talk about your commissioner 
um, idea first. Mm -hmm. It's the way to go. It really is the only way to go, especially in these sports like track and tennis and golf and things like that, because they move to the national level. You know, in track, a high school, they have the national tournaments every year, and Zach and both Alex competed. And, you know, when you get to that level, if there's 17 states saying this and 17 states doing that, now you've got kids, you know, male and female, that have competed along the way based on their state laws, and now they get to the nationals and some are going to be eliminated because, you know, they, that state says, no, you can't compete as a female uh, transgendering to a male or transitioning to a male. So these particular things, plus when a male transitions to a female and they now actually have the full complete surgery they stop producing the same amounts of testosterone that they did as a male they're now getting injections of estrogen probably for most of their lives so these things their strength levels will go down they still have their strength and it is unfair but i have a cousin and this is a different, a different side of the story. I have a cousin that was born female. She was the number one lacrosse goalie in Massachusetts, up near Sudbury. Mm-hmm. Actually, where my son Zach lives. And she was recruited by tons as a sophomore of Division One lacrosse schools. And she transitioned from a female to a male and went out for the boys' lacrosse team and became one of the top two goalies, but got blackballed. They wouldn't let her play. The school itself would not let her play. Now, my cousin, my, her, my first cousin is her mom. They protested it and, you know, took it to court, I but believe. Why, why wouldn't they let and her play? Because she transitioned. She, is, she was now considered a guy being born a female. And how, and how Jack? They, how was she, how good was she as as a male as a goalie? She, well, supposedly she went out for the team. Yep. Coach and the athletic director had no clue what to do about it, <laughs> yep. and she actually won a position on the team. Okay. And from what my cousin tells me, she probably would have been possibly the starting goalkeeper, but got blackballed, got bullied, got harassed, and stopped playing. And now is into weightlifting and training and, you know, very strong, you know, male getting testosterone shots probably, you know, every month of his life. But, the, you know, these particular situations, but a commissioner, you know, would have probably stepped in in that position or had a bylaw or a law that would have allowed them to compete. You know, the, the states that are saying you have to compete at your barn um, sex. I don't agree with that one. And you know what? And one other thing, Rick, we make have to make choices in our lives. And people that transition, that's a choice. Yes. All right? And it sure. might not be a choice because they feel they were born to the opposite sex, but they still have to make that choice to transition. And that is a tough, tough life choice. But this is something that they want. Should they be punished for that? You know, a female that has to go compete against a male, that's, at the beginning, it's a big strength difference, and you're absolutely right. But they're making that choice. My cousin made that choice. She wanted to compete against the men. Jack, let me go back to your cousin's situation. 
you know, this is, yeah. again, just to take this to the next step. You know, when she made that decision, and she was obviously a, apparently a gifted uh, goalie uh, in lacrosse. Very good. And, and, you know, she'd be recruited, and she says, you know, I'm going to go and become a guy uh, because I feel that that's who I really am deep down inside. And then she goes right. on to the boys' team. She makes the boys' team, but as you say, is either yep. uh, blackballed or they don't know what to do with her or him and so on and so forth. And she doesn't play right. and ultimately quits. This is a case where if there were something in place, like a commissioner exactly. panel, where somebody, exactly. the, the kid or the coach of that team, could have gone and made a direct appeal and say, what do we do here? I'm a coach. This is a rare situation. What do I do with this kid? What do I tell my team? What do I tell the, the, the parents? What do I do to give this youngster a shot so that uh, that he can now go out and enjoy and pursue their dreams? You know, we're all about a fair and equal playing field. But if, if the kid's not getting that, it becomes a lose-lose situation. Think, think about it. Think about when you were coaching at Mercy College. Okay, yep. think about that. My philosophy, and I'll guarantee you, it was your philosophy too. Was I put my nine best players out on that field? Of I course. don't care what sex they are. Okay, I mean seriously. And in this situation, here's my cousin. Uh, she's actually my second, my first cousin's daughter. Uh, was daughter now son. She wanted to compete. At the male level, yep. you know, she's now a male. Yeah. And she was blackballed because of it, because people didn't have an open mind to understand that sometimes life is not fair. We're all, you know, life is all about obstacles, and we deal with them. And my cousin was ready to deal with those obstacles. And on the other hand, if she was a male going to female, now the strength difference, especially at the younger ages, because they're still producing the same amount of testosterone until the surgeries are actually fully completed. Yep. But here you've got a situation where it's actually not fair. And, you know, and, and, the, and the funny thing about it is, is that my aunt, my cousin, my, her mom, was, she's, a, she's a psychologist. She knew from when her daughter was a year old that this was going to happen someday. Yeah, well. And she prepared herself, and, you know, but the point is is that a commissioner is the, has to be the way to go. I mean, our NCAA sports are commissioned by an organization that, I, I, you know, I'm not a fan in, but they do have their laws and rules. Well, a commissioner would do the same and make it an equal playing field for every state. Jack, let me, and one yeah. other thing before I go, real yeah. quick. The track court, the girls and the boys. Yes. Track is a sport where you're based on your times. Yes. Not on whether you win or lose. You could have the 10 best sprinters in the, in the country in the same high school, but in every track meet, only three of them advance. But that doesn't mean that those other seven track runners aren't the seven best in the world or in the of nation. Of course. Of course. Let me ask you one quick thing after I get to a break, but how long ago was, uh, was a cousin, you know? Oh, he's gone. Okay. Well, I wanted to ask Jack how long ago this, this the situation with the, the uh, lacrosse goalie had taken place. But, you know, obviously it must have happened fairly recently. But, again, you would think even in an enlightened state like Massachusetts when it comes to gender equity, this wouldn't have taken place. It wouldn't have had a situation where the kid was basically uh, blackballed. All right. Let me, let me take a, a break. Uh, Mark Renee has your update. When I return, we'll go right back to your calls. 
Stay right here for more of Rick Wolf and the Sports Edge on The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN New York. Back here on the Sports Edge, I, um, first of all, a couple of quick updates. First of all, I, I just wanted to, I heard back from uh, Jack Smithlin, uh, this uh, incident with his cousin when she uh, uh, transitioned to being a boy, uh, this happened about six years ago, so we're not talking a long time ago. And just as I said, it's curious uh, that this youngster had to go through a situation of basically being harassed and bullied when he made the lacrosse team at his high school. Uh, and also, I just want to be clear about a situation in, the, in Connecticut. I mentioned, of course, early on about the, the, the two the boys who competed as girls uh, in, in, a, in a big track meet up there last year. Uh, in Connecticut, and again, I'm not an expert on any of these, the, the fine print of these laws, but in Connecticut, you don't have to be transitioning. Uh, you just have to say, in effect, that I'm going to compete. I feel that I'm a girl, and I'm going to uh, com- compete in that gender. Um, again, that's that's a little, to me, a little disconcerting because, I mean, how does a boy just come out and say, okay, I'm a girl now? I mean, it has to be, I think, some evidence, uh, uh, some uh, situation that shows that uh, he is, in fact, uh, making that transition. But again, I guess under current state law in Connecticut, and I could be wrong about this, uh, I guess we just come out and say, I'm actually going to be a girl, and I plan to becoming a girl, I, therefore I want to compete uh, in, in, you know, these races. Uh, that's that's uh, apparently what the state law has been telling Okay, let's let's get back to our calls. Let's go to uh, Austin. Uh, he's on the road this morning. Austin, good morning. You're on the fan. Yeah, hi. How's it going? Um, good. I, you know, I called before you had brought up that uh, the point that you you had you had just made, but I kind of wanted to play devil's devil's advocate on the situation. Yep. You know, we're we're I'm I'm 26. I'm relatively young, and and I'm going back to you know high school sports. You know, thinking similar to what another caller had thought about, you know, man, if I was playing in this basketball game or, or running this track meet against, you know, uh, you know a female, I, what would my accolades or statistics, you know, look like in the situation? Mm-hmm. And we're, we're talking about, you know, in, you know, young kids that are easily influenced by, you know, other people. What, what, what is, you know, what is the opinion or the, the thought on the situation where you have somebody's parents Austin, I think I think we've lost you here. Um, uh, but I, I get what you're saying. Again, this is all part of the confusion uh, of the new generation we've entered into when it comes to uh, you know this next decade of, of youth sports and why we really could use some expertise with the commissioner of youth sports and, and, and a panel. Uh, let's go very quickly to uh, to Cheryl up in Connecticut. Cheryl, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. Thanks for having me. Um, I am calling from Connecticut. I have a daughter who's experiencing this firsthand. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is happening, she's being forced to be forced to compete against biological males. And in her sport, it's simply not fair. Um, she's a track runner. Mm-hmm. Since 2017, the state of Connecticut has allowed males simply on self-identification, nothing yep. else, dominate in the, in the female track arena and in a year and a half they already own like 15 state records every 
every race they win, it's a medal, a podium, a chance to to um, compete at the next level. It's, it's simply not fair. The physiological differences of a biological male um, to a girl, especially at this age, the, it, the competition is presents um, a, a not a, laying, a, a level playing field. Cheryl, this is exactly what we're talking about, and, and, and obviously your daughter is living through this, and you're obviously a concerned sports parent. Uh, it's just hard to believe that, that the state of Connecticut, I'm sure all the other parents, all the coaches, are seeing this saying, well, what do we do here? Somebody, somewhere give us some guidance. Uh, it obviously flies in the way, uh, right into the face of Title IX, which is all about, you know, fair play uh, for all the kids. And, and I don't know how it's going to be resolved. I mean, it's, it's just very, very strange. Um, I, you know, I, um, I mean, what, from your perspective, what's the next step? What, what are you guys doing? Well, we filed a, a federal complaint against the OCR. Um, we're not, we're not saying they can't run. They just need to come up with a solution well, that's fair for everyone. Um, one I'm of the not solutions, sure what that solution is. Well, one solution I know from a year ago when we talked about this was saying, well, you know what? We might get to the point where we have uh, races for boys, races for girls in high school, and races for transgender. Uh, because that may be, it sounds kind of goofy perhaps, but at least that's a way to say we're going to make sure that the, the track is on a level playing field. Cheryl, thank Absolutely. you for, for calling in this so morning. I appreciate uh, your, your thoughts. Uh, and obviously, as we know, this is where, again, we could use some real guidance from a commissioner of youth sports or some sort of blue ribbon youth sports panel. Okay, that's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Pete Kennedy. Stick around for JJ. He's up next. I'll talk to you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.